And we are especially delighted tonight to have the Cordner family with us, and we're going to ask them if they'll come and minister their first two pieces in song. Thank you. Well, we are delighted to be here our first time in Carrieduff. Free Presbyterian Church. Um, I normally sing on my own, but the boys don't normally <laughs> play with me only in special occasions, so <laughs> you're privileged tonight. No, I just thank um, the Reverend McLaughlin for in, uh, inviting us along, and it's lovely to be here and to share in ministry. Um, we're going to just um, bring an instrumental piece first, and then I'm going to sing a piece, but it's good to be here in God's house.
Well, we do thank Elizabeth and Reuben and Timothy for that ministry. It's such a blessing. It's great to be able to play a musical instrument. Um, when I was thinking about uh, the Cordner family coming, I was thinking that um, uh, one of the boys plays the saxophone. So it shows you I really don't know the difference between a clarinet and a saxophone. But anyway, it's really good that they're here, and it's tremendous that they're using their talents and gifts for the Lord. Uh, turn with me tonight in your Bible to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 16. We're reading from the verse 19. This is the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Luke chapter 16, verse 19. Let's hear the word of the Lord. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this fleeing. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from thence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Amen. And the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own infallible word.
This last piece is entitled The King is Coming and I hope everybody can say tonight that they're ready for The King is Coming.
we do want to thank Elizabeth and Reuben and Timothy for coming over tonight and giving up their time and for that tremendous ministry and song. You know, what a tremendous theme. The King is coming. And um, when we think about being washed in the blood and being ready when he comes, uh, it's really soul thrilling. Thank you so much, boys. Uh, and thank you so much, uh, Elizabeth. And we'll thank you, Lawrence, for driving over. It's very good. Amen. Now, my text tonight is taken from Psalm 9 and verse 17. It reads as follows. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that forget God. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that forget God. Now, my subject this evening is entitled, Is Hell for Real? Last month, on the 6th of February, Donald Tusk, president of the European Council since 2014, caused a lot of outrage and uproar within the English-speaking world, especially in the United Kingdom, amongst the camp of the Brexiteers, when he said, and I quote, I have been wondering what that special place in hell looks like for those who promoted Brexit without even a sketch of a plan how to carry it out. And then on February the 9th, a retired Presbyterian minister called the Reverend Ernie Ray, writing in an article in the Belfast Telegraph about his faith, was asked, and what about hell? Do you worry about it? This was his reply. If hell exists, it is empty. A loving God could not condemn one of his children to everlasting fire. Now, these quotations in the month of February about the subject of hell got me thinking and asking myself the question, is hell for real? And tonight we want to answer that question and we want to think of what saith the Scriptures. Now, we're going to think about four things in the time that we have left. One, the existence of hell. Look at Psalm seven or Psalm nine, verse seventeen. The wicked shall be turned into hell. And over in the New Testament, in that corresponding passage that I've already read in your hearing, we note in Luke chapter sixteen and verse twenty-three, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torment. The rich man, we're told, also died and was buried, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments. Now, I'm conscious that in the day in which we live, many don't believe in a literal place called hell. They could never accept that such a place exists. Their argument is that God never made such a place in the whole of the universe. There's thousands tonight who reject the doctrine of hell. And of course, that includes the Reverend Ernie Ray, whose quote in the Belfast Telegraph, if hell exists, it is empty. A loving God could not condemn one of his children to everlasting fire, is a quote that's spiritually misleading and theologically heretical. There's thousands tonight of clergy, 
thousands of laity, ministers, kirk elders, deacons, individual members sitting in pews, pretending to worship God, who have no time for the biblical doctrine of hell. Now, to reject or deny the existence of hell is really to reject and deny the message of the gospel. Do you know tonight that hell is mentioned in the Bible 54 times? The first reference is in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and in the verse 22. God says, For a fire is kindled in mine anger, and shall burn unto the lowest hell, and shall consume the earth with her increase. The last reference is in the book of Revelation, in Revelation chapter uh, 20, and in the verse 14. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Hell is referred to 54 times in the Bible. And to deny the existence or the reality of hell is to deny the clear, plain teaching of the Scriptures. Now, I admit tonight that this is a solemn subject, a serious subject, a very sensitive subject. I've been sitting on this for about three weeks. But it's also, folks, a a scriptural subject. The Bible clearly teaches that there is such a place. Hell is a real place. The wicked shall be turned into hell. That's what the psalmist believed a thousand years before Christ. And tonight, tenderly and compassionately, passionately, I want to tell you that there is such a place called hell, that there is the reality of an eternity in hell for those who die in their sins and reject Christ as Lord and Savior. And if you reject Christ as Lord and Savior and die in your sins, you'll go into a lost eternity. You'll be in hell forever and forever. Now, that's not just what I say that's important. It's not even what this church teaches that's important. It's what the Bible says. To deny hell. Remember the Reverend Ray says, if hell exists, to question it. To, to deny its existence, to reject it as a real place, is not only, I believe, a total rejection of the gospel, but you know something else? It's to call the Lord Jesus, along with David and Moses, and many other of the prophets, a liar. Out of those 54 references, 31 references in the Old Testament, starting with Deuteronomy, chapter 32, 22, and 23 in the New Testament. If you turn there in your Bible to the Gospel of Matthew and you look with me there, here's the Lord Jesus in this famous Sermon on the Mount that everybody's so fond of talking about. And listen to what he says in Matthew chapter 5 in the verse uh, 22. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you, verse 22, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. 
And over there in Matthew chapter 10 and the verse 28, the Lord Jesus said this, Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And here he is telling about the rich man who died and was buried, and he says in Luke 16.23, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments. You see, if hell exists, it's to cast doubt upon it. And it's saying that the Lord Jesus is guilty of lies. Imagine calling the Son of God a liar. The Lord Jesus says that hell exists tonight. Reverend Ray said, if hell exists, it is empty. Well, it's not, because the rich man is there. The psalmist said, the wicked shall be turned into hell, and all nations that forgot God. You see, if there's no hell, there's no need to worry about your sin. There's no need to repent of it. There's no need to get right with God. There's no need to seek forgiveness. There's no accountability for any sinful lifestyle. You don't have to worry about right and wrong. But I want to tell you tonight, it's a dreadful lie. Because the Bible clearly teaches that hell is a real place. There is a hell. Dr. Torrey, he preached to vast crowds in America. Thousands of people attended to his preaching. And there's vast auditoriums filled every night. And this particular night, he announced that the next night he was going to preach on the subject on God's hell. That night... The congregation was just about half full. See, many don't like to hear about this subject. They don't like to think about it. They don't want to learn about it. They, 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 they don't want to, to listen to it. And I'm well aware that this is a sensitive subject. It's a solemn subject. It's a serious subject. But, but it's a scriptural subject. And here's a, a solemn truth. Here's a very strong statement. The wicked shall be turned into hell. And I'm here to tell you tonight to warn you about the existence of such a place. There's a story told about an army chaplain. Uh, he was a chaplain to one of the U.S. Navy ships. Uh, he was a, just a new chaplain, and the sailors were very concerned about spiritual things. This was during World War II. And they asked the new chaplain this question, uh, do you believe in hell, sir? Here was his reply, no, I don't. Those sailors started to sign a petition and asked for his resignation. And he asked them why. He said, do you not like me? And they said, we want you to resign because you don't believe in hell. You see, if you don't believe in hell, we don't need you because we have nothing to worry about. We have nothing to be saved from. We don't have to worry about our sin. But if there is a hell, we don't want to be deceived. We need a wise and loving and discerning chaplain who will look us in the eye and tell us in the truth. So, so I'm asking tonight to you who are here in the congregation, well aware that many are absent, I'm asking for those who are listening on the internet, do, do you believe tonight that hell is a real place? If you don't, if you deny his existence, then that impacts upon the message of the gospel and also you're calling the Lord Jesus a liar, along with David and Moses and many of the other prophets. I would urge you tonight not to deny the validity of the gospel message, not, not to call Christ a liar. 
We need to accept the teaching of Christ. The rich man died and was buried and in hell, lift up his eyes being in torments. I want you to think secondly tonight of the, the essence of hell. If hell exists, and it does, then what's it like? Could I suggest tonight a number of things that it's a place of everlasting burning? In Luke 16, the rich man died and was buried, and the scripture says in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments. In fact, he, he said in the chapter, if you look at it very uh, clearly, he, he, he tells us here um, in this um, verse 24, um, for I am tormented in this flame. You see, over there in the gospel of Isaiah, and I use that word deliberately, he was the evangelical prophet, he said this, Hear ye that are afar off, what have I done? And ye that are near, acknowledge my might. The sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness hath surprised the hypocrite. Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? See, it was the Lord Jesus that told us, if you turn over there to Luke chapter 25, sorry, Matthew 25, Matthew chapter 25 and verse 41. Then shall he say also unto them in the left hand, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. In that sermon of Dr. Torrey's in God's hell, he reportedly said in this sermon, that God made hell for the wicked. You see, there, there's no ambiguity here in the scriptures. This is a real, eternal fire that exists in this place. Not just fire of any sort, but, but everlasting fire. A place of everlasting burnings. A, a, a place where the fire never goes out. The, the Bible talks about Matthew 13, 42, being cast into a furnace of fire. Matthew 13 and 50, cast into a furnace of fire. And over there in Matthew's gospel, in Matthew chapter 18, and in the uh, verse 8, it was the Lord uh, Jesus that said, Wherefore, if thine hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life halter maimed, rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. This fire is not quenched. This is everlasting fire. It'll never burn out. And of course, you think, oh, I couldn't believe that. But that's what the Bible teaches. Think about the sun. Is the sun not a fireball up in the sky? Is this earth not the correct distance from the sun? If we get any nearer, would we not burn up? Is this earth not at the correct axis to, to orbit round the sun? Do, do, does that orbit not take place at the crack speed? If it was too fast or too slow, what would happen? You see, God put that fireball up in the sky in the creation of this world. And remember, the Bible teaches that there's nothing impossible with God. It's a place 
of everlasting burning. Let me tell you something else. It's a place of everlasting weeping. If you look again at Luke at chapter 16 and verse 24, it says the first three words, and he cried. And he cried. Now, do we think he's shedding tears? But the word cry there means he wailed. It wasn't that he was shedding tears. He was making a loud sound. He, he was making a, a loud noise. The Bible talks about weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 8 and 12, cast out into outer darkness where there'll be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. And of course, that's the teaching of the scriptures in Matthew 24, 51, uh, Matthew 25 and 30. We could throw into the mix Matthew 22 and 13. Not joking, not laughing, not singing, not partying, not drinking, not, not, not taking drugs. Hell's not a place of rest or peace or, or a place of solace, a place of quietness. I want to tell you tonight, there's the most terrible sounds from that place. Terrible sounds unknown to any man. Loud shrieks and growls, lamenting and weeping. It's the cry of a lost soul. And, and what are they asking for? They're asking for, for mercy. He hears this man, and, and, and it says, And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. Why? For I am tormented in this flame. Here's a solemn truth. There's no mercy for any soul in hell. There's no answer to prayer for a soul in hell. Here's a big man, a rich man, and he's praying now for the first time, but it's too late. There's no release from this torment. There's not even water in hell to quench his thirst. This is a place of everlasting fire, a place of everlasting weeping. Could I tell you it's a place of everlasting despair? Look with me at verse 26 of Luke 24. And besides all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed, so they which would pass from thence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Do you see that? There's no exits. You can't escape. Once you're in, there's no way out. The situation, dreadful and awful as it is, can't be changed. We're talking about the eternality of despair. It's a place of absolute hopelessness. There's an old prison somewhere in South America and above the door for every inmate that enters in. It says this, abandon hope. You see, all who enter in give up hope of ever getting out of that place. Isn't it interesting that there's an exit from heaven to earth? Think of the doctrine of the incarnation. God manifest in the flesh. Think of the doctrine of the virgin birth of Christ. One day the Lord Jesus left heaven and, and for this earth and was incarnated in the womb of the virgin. And he was born in this world as the son of God, son of man, son of Mary, son of David. Think of the day that Moses and Elijah left heaven and came to the Mount of Transfiguration and talked to Christ about his death on the cross. And of course, I believe that during the days of the Great Tribulation, these two prophets will come again and they represent the law and the prophets. An exit from heaven to earth. 
There's an exit from earth to heaven. Because those that are in Christ, who live for Christ, through Christ, go to be with Christ, which is far better. But hell has no exits. Did you know that in the great prison escapes of World War II from Colditz, 300 prisoners got out? In Alcatraz and San Francisco, three prisoners escaped, at least we know of, from that prison. Men in prison do plan to escape even the most secure facility. But I want to say tonight, it'll never, ever happen in hell. The rich man was told, there's a great gulf fixed. Isn't it interesting? He asked for Lazarus. Send Lazarus to my home. Send Lazarus to go and speak to my five brothers. Wouldn't he say to Father Abraham, well, let me out for five minutes and I'll go and tell them myself. Why did he not want to go himself? Here's the answer. He was imprisoned. There was no hope of escape. And he realized that. This is a place of everlasting despair. A place of outer darkness. Now, now you're not there yet. And we thank God for that. And, and, And there's a day of grace. And you're in it. And there's still hope for you. And the good news is this. That there's still time for you to get right with God. And press in to the kingdom. And the Bible tells us the son of man on earth hath power to forgive sins. Only in this earth can your sins be forgiven. And now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Today if you will hear his voice he says harden not your hearts. You can obtain mercy now tonight. But in eternity. Once you die in your sins, your doom is forever sealed. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. There's a debate one time in the United States Senate room. I believe Calvin Coolidge was the president. He was in the chair. The senators were getting very agitated about what they were debating. And one of them, waxing eloquent, said to another, Senator, you go straight to hell. Calvin Coolridge, because people complained to the chair to intervene, he set down his papers very calmly. He looked over at the senator, and this is what he said. You don't have to go. You don't have to go. And I would say the same to you tonight. You don't have to go to this place of everlasting fire, this place of everlasting weeping and wailing, this place of everlasting despair, because it's also a place of everlasting punishment. Why is there a hell? Remember what we read there in the scriptures in Matthew 25, verse 41? Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Why, why, why does hell exist? Because there's the necessity to suffer the pains of sin committed in the body. There has to be a suffering for the iniquity that we're guilty of committing and a rebellion to God. We live in a moral world, a world of right and wrong. 
And the Lord Jesus said, Fear not them which can kill the body, but rather fear him that hath power to do what? To throw both body and soul into hell. You see, God is not neutral to crime and corruption and sin and rebellion. The Bible teaches the doctrine of the wrath of God against sin. God's a God of love, but he's also a God of wrath. He's a God of justice, a God of infinite holiness. That wrath is real. That wrath is revealed in the scriptures. That, that, that is royal wrath. And I believe God prepared this place called hell where there's everlasting burnings and everlasting weeping and everlasting despair and hopelessness to bring in everlasting punishment for sins done in the body. This is the balancing of right and wrong. Could I tell you very quickly, this is a place of everlasting memories. In hell, this man remembered home. He had five brothers. He wanted someone to warn them, to tell them to what? To repent. This rich man, young people, wasn't in hell because he was rich. He wasn't in hell because he didn't feed Lazarus outside the gate. He wasn't in hell because he didn't have pity in Lazarus. This man was in hell because he didn't repent of his sin. He didn't put his faith and trust in the living and the true God through faith in Christ. In his lifetime, yes, he, he lived and forgot God. And he enjoyed the good things of this life. He was a proud, arrogant, rich sinner who never repented. But when he was in hell, he thought about his five brothers who were coming down the road. And he wanted them warned about this evil place. And in hell, there's memories. Abraham said, son, remember. And you'll remember every gospel meeting. You'll remember every gospel tract. You'll remember every time you passed in open air. You'll remember your mother and father's prayers. You'll remember the pleading of the preacher to, to come and get right with God. Here's the essence of hell. The entrance of hell. Look at the scriptures. We'll have to close. Over there in Matthew, or Revelation 21 verse 8 it says, But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Notice it says the fearful and the unbelieving. They had this list of entrance. Here's the types of people. Reverend Ray said a loving God could not condemn one of his children to hell. I want to remind you that while we're God's children by creation, we're not all God's children because there's many fearful. And there's many who are unbelieving, who know that they need to be saved as well as their heads and their body, but don't want to be saved because they love their sin. And the unbeliever and the fearful stands first. You don't have to be a murderer, a thief and a whoremonger. You just have to be fearful. You just have to be an unbeliever. The Lord Jesus asked the question, how can you escape the damnation of hell? If you don't recognize your sin, you'll never escape. It was Solomon that said in the book of Proverbs, in Proverbs chapter 27 and 20, hell and destruction are never full. Isn't that a telling statement? Could I close with 
the escaping of hell. How could you escape the damnation of hell, the Lord Jesus asked. Here's the answer, only now in this life. Do you believe the Bible to be the word of God? Do you believe the Bible teaching about this awful place that exists called hell? And, and what it's like? And who the entrance into it are going to be? And you're determined, well, well I'm not going to be one of them. Then, then recognize you're a sinner. That's why Christ died. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He offered a once and for all sacrifice for sin. And, and, and you have to not only recognize your sin, but, but have a desire to repent and, and have done with your sin. And then it's a receiving of Christ. If you're here tonight and you're not saved and you're not born again, then I want you to remember you're only a heartbeat from God's eternity. You're only a breath from God's eternity. You're only a step. And at any moment you could die. At any moment you could be taken out into eternity. And I want to tell you when you're buried, that'll not be the end. And yet tonight there's one stands in this very meeting who can save you. And maybe for far too long you've been putting it off. Maybe for far too long you're saying, I'm too young, I want to go out and enjoy life. Maybe you're thinking, but I'm too bad, I've done loads of terrible things. The Bible says, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Maybe you're thinking, it's too late for me. Well, I want to tell you it's never too late. If you're in the day of grace and God is speaking to you and the voice of Christ has come to you, then think of this question. How can you escape the damnation of hell? Well, you can if you recognize your sin, if you repent of that sin, if you, if you cry, God, be merciful to me, the sinner, and receive Christ as Lord and Savior. The Bible says, behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. I wonder tonight if you think of the question, is hell for real? Then we can answer it and say, yes. This awful place exists. This is what it's like. Here's the people that will end up there, starting with the fearful. Maybe you're afraid tonight to get saved. Somebody will laugh at you. As the late Sammy Workman used to say, folks will laugh you into hell, but they'll never ever laugh you out of it. Maybe tonight it's just because of unbelief. A friend doesn't believe it. A teacher doesn't believe it. So I'll refuse to believe it. But you can escape that tonight. If you recognize you're a sinner, repent, receive Christ as Lord and Savior. May the Lord give enabling and deciding grace in these few stumbling, stammering words this evening.